Welcome to the Mad Singers Management Podcast from madsingers.com, where entrepreneurs and business managers learn and share. If you like the show, don't forget to leave a review. So, Jonathan, awesome to have you with me here today. How are you? I'm doing very well. Thank you, Mads. How are you? I'm fantastic. I'm excited to record this episode with you. I heard you in Chiang Mai about probably a year and a half ago. Uh, talking about management at, at the SEO conference, and uh, that was one of sort of my, my first exposures to yourself. And uh, definitely great to hear some of all your, your great ideas and tips and so on. So I really wanted to bring you onto the podcast here to, for you to be able to share um, basically with the audience all, some of all your experience and knowledge around managing people. I appreciate that very much. That was, um, yeah, that was an exciting time. That was, uh, I think, definitely the biggest stage I had ever speak, uh, spoken on um, up until that point. So I, um, I pulled out all the stops as far as what I wanted to do and was probably the most nervous I'd ever been in my life. But um, yeah, I'm glad that you got to see it. Exciting. Right. So Jonathan, for the people who don't know about you already. I don't know who that would be, but in case there's someone who doesn't know about you, uh, do you want to do sort of a short introduction and just tell people like how you got into this online business space and became a business owner and so on? Sure. So I'll try and keep it as um, as brief as I can. Um, I uh, uh, my my name's Jonathan Kickbush, um, which is a very easy to remember name, a very hard to pronounce name. Um, Born and bred in Germany, I, um, I've basically my entire career up until this point has uh, evolved around uh, business development um, in different industries. Um, I initially started out in a very unorthodox way, actually in cold calling in India being part of one of those very annoying cold calling centers that called back to Europe. And um, from there, I went into uh, a big American usability company and started off as an account executive. Uh, I left my position there eventually as the director of sales for Europe, um, after which I had my first startup, which I ran for three years, which was actually in the security industry, which I then sold. And at that point, I um, met my, um, at the time, co-founder with whom I started an online marketing uh, supply business, if you will, which at that time was called PBN Butler. We rebranded to SEO Butler since. Um, and um, to be honest, you know, when we started, it was just the two of us working in our spare time. Uh, I still had the security business. Um, and just sort of, you know, looking at the market, trying to understand what the market is looking for and figuring out where we would have a competitive edge and where we would be able to actually supply, um, you know, products and services. And um, very, very quickly, um, the, the, the business scaled very, very quickly. And we, um, yeah, well, we grew and grew and grew and added products and services and team members. Um, and here we are four years later um, with uh, an office here in the UK and an international team. And um, yeah, it's exciting. It's um, 
pretty much i think that's as short as i could keep it as far as (laughs) sparing the details that's great how many staff do you have sort of worldwide right now so roughly we have um we have eight full-time team members that are actually salaried employees and we have about 45 contractors that basically work on a daily basis but are not directly employed in one of our uh, locations sure that makes sense that makes sense so I, I never actually knew you were one of these annoying Indian dudes. Uh, yeah. it's, it's a career I always wanted myself, but uh, I, I haven't <laughs> had the, the time and, and ability to do that yet. But uh, that's cool. Very interesting. Yeah. So, so Jonathan, uh, one of the things that really struck me when I heard you speaking was it, it felt like you had a very clear sort of management philosophy. All right. Um, I, I want to, uh, and this is obviously the, the core of the show, but I, I really want to dig into a little bit sort of your philosophy behind managing people and really how you try and get the best results out of people. Again, this might be a, a pretty long question, but uh, I'd love if you could try and elaborate a little bit on that. Sure. So my my entire management philosophy actually um, is based on my personal experience of um, especially my first learning experiences going into school and um, my entire childhood I was told by pretty much everybody other than my my mother that I was incapable and that I was a failure and that I wasn't good enough to pass uh, you know especially in school of course and um, I was really struggling with with academia Um, and so I felt very challenged in that way because of course it's very demotivating to be told that you know you're you're not good enough you're, you're not picking stuff up quick enough and because of that my performance in school was very poor and you know I mean I was I was pretty much a fail uh, student so uh, you know none of my marks were, were up to par and what was fascinating for me though was that whenever somebody would challenge me in a positive way and actually enable me to um, to to you know to learn things or to to create things in my own way um, or work on things that actually interested me, then I would perform really highly. And so I had a couple of classes in school in which I did perform very well, and there were a lot of extracurricular activities that I did outside of school in which I performed very highly as well. So. Um, when I started uh, working and when I started actually getting into management positions, I started noticing this trend of adults behaving in the exact same way, um, where essentially, you know, they would be forced into a position that they weren't very keen on. And um, because of not being so keen on it, they wouldn't perform highly. And because they weren't performing highly, the the management structure would basically demotivate them further and so it was just a downward spiral um until eventually they would just be replaced especially in larger you know in larger businesses so what i started noticing is that with the people that i worked with directly especially before i had my own business and before i um uh, started up this venture whenever I was in a management role, the people that were working with me would perform better than the people working under other managers and the teams. And so I started looking at what I was doing differently without, you know, without consciously making a decision to do something differently. And 
what I what I started finding is that what I was doing without really uh, planning to do it or without thinking about it was that I was trying to find the thing that those people were really good at, that they enjoyed, and also trying to find the best way that they would uh, pick pick stuff up. And just by doing that and by giving praise where praise is due and taking the time to actually work with individual team members, I would level them up far faster than my colleagues that would kind of be demotivating and just using, you know, really old school KPIs to measure their success and uh, so on and so forth. And so my entire um, sort of uh, management philosophy has, has sort of grown out of that, trying to find, um, you know, what people are really good at and then putting them into those positions so that we can grow them um, in that position. And, the, you know, I think one of the, the most important parts within that is um, empathy. And I, I try to speak about empathy as much as I can because I think that there isn't enough empathy in business. Um, people don't take a moment to actually understand what the people that are working for them are going through. And because they don't do that, they just treat them almost like assets rather than parts of their, their team or their organization. And by doing so, they massively devalue the, the human being that's behind it. And all of that then leads to essentially a race to the bottom when it comes to productivity and happiness. Um, I, think, I think that pretty much sums up how, how I think I got to, to the, the, the sort of management philosophy that I'm at today. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It, just, it sounds super, super interesting, right? And it, it's very similar to, to how I how I generally look at it, right? Like actually talking with people and not just saying like, do this stuff, do this stuff, do this stuff, but actually like getting to know your staff, getting to know the name of their kids and their partners and their dog and their cats. And like actually, actually caring, like you can pretend to care, but actually learning to care is uh, I think uh, an absolutely critical aspect. So that, that makes a lot of sense. What do you enjoy the most about managing people? So I think the, the thing that I enjoy the most is finding out and um, getting better at essentially sharing a common vision with the team. And what I mean by that is every team member in my organization understands the direction in which we're moving. And because I understand that, every single team member, no matter what their role or their position is in the business, can celebrate the win of every other team member because we're working towards a common goal, a common vision. And so what that means is, is that we don't just have, you know, short-term targets that we try to achieve, which, you know, for sure, we, of course, we have um, ordinary KPIs as far as, you know, growing an email list or, you know, whatever it might be. But because we're all working towards this uh, big long-term goal and this big long-term vision as, a, as an entire business, we, we get to celebrate wins together. And I think that's one of my favorite things is, you know, especially the, the office-based team here in the UK, we've all grown um, very close together 
uh, because, which is good because we spend, uh, most of us spend more time together than we do with our partners and the rest of our family, right? Yeah, that's a, that's, that's very common in the entrepreneur space, uh, particularly if you have partners or, or face-to-face employees. It often ends up being yeah, a second relationship in some yeah, way. <laughs> that's right. The office family. <laughs> the office family, yeah. And, and again, that's again why it's so critically important. Like Even if you do have remote staff, that's why it's so critically important to build these good relationships, right? Because... Mm-hmm. Again, if you are going to do your best, like if you're sitting around people you don't really like sitting around, like there's no chance your best is going to come out of you, right? For sure. So building that relationship is, is obviously very critical. So. I, think, um, I think one of the other things that kind of plays into that, which you know, was for me of a really big uh, learning curve in management, was that it is really important and okay to realize what you're not good at and finding people that can supplement that, right? And so one of the, the really great examples for that is when we first started the business. So one of the products and services that we offer is we offer content creation. And one of the things that um, uh, is interesting about that is that when we first started, we um, I managed the content creation team just because we didn't have the resources to have a dedicated manager for the content team. So essentially that meant that I was uh, talking to the writers uh, on a daily basis and, you know, I was communicating with the editors on a daily basis and, um, you know, essentially they would just deal with me. And I think that we were pretty stagnant in the growth of that team for the exact amount of time as I was dealing with that, uh, with that team. As soon as we brought in a creative um, writer uh, to manage that team who spoke their lingo, who had the same interests as they do, who had um, you know, a far gentler, more creative way of communicating with people than I do, the, the team started scaling up, writers started recommending other people to write for us, um, and the overall quality of the work went up significantly as well. And that's not to say that I don't communicate with the team anymore, because I do, but I now have a different role in my communication with them. Yeah, and, and that makes a lot of sense, right? I mean, I, I spend a lot of time in helping people understand both their absolute key strength and their weaknesses for that reason, right? Um, I mean, it's one of the challenges when you start out a business because, I mean, my, my, my personal weaknesses is, is around marketing and sales, right? I absolutely suck at it. It's the first role that I either hire someone to or if I'm looking for partnerships, I try and bring someone into, right? Because I absolutely know and understand that it's not my strength, right? Right. Um, so that that totally makes a lot of sense. The, the challenge in the beginning is obviously finding the budgets to do it. Right? Sure. Because a lot of the time you can't just go out and hire three people who sort of pluck the holes of your weaknesses, right? So it is sort of step by step and, and it sounds like you are doing it that way. So, so that, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. But for a lot of people figuring out what's actually the weaknesses, it, it, it takes a lot of time and very often it takes experience, right? Mm-hmm. Because like you, you, you probably have things you know up front. I'm not good at that, right? Like I suck at numbers or, you know, I hate talking to human beings or things like that. Sure. Um, <laughs> probably not the best <laughs> management, but hey, 
Um, but but no, I mean seriously, I I even know tech founders who who are the like either founder or co-founder, but they bring in like a general manager or CEO sure. type very very quickly because they they know when they realize what they like is sitting programming. They don't understand talking to human beings and getting great things out of them, right? And and it is doable, right? Yeah, and and I think what's important about that too is to understand that it's okay to be a better um, you know, chief technical officer uh, in, your, in your very, very successful business than to be a really bad CEO in your failing business. Yep, totally. That's totally. it. And that's actually a lot of the clients I work with, particularly in partnerships, right? If you have two people and they both want to be the CEO, I've seen so many situations where that kind of gets people into trouble, right? But what, what I've always found is that often you can you can do a little bit of a mix. So you actually pick one of them that becomes the face of the company mm-hmm. and the other one do the actual CEO stuff, right? Right. Because very frequently, if you are doing all the right CEOs, CEO stuff, you you often don't have the time to do things like, for example, podcast appearances, right? Exactly. Or things like that, right? So so that way of splitting the role is very interesting. And I know a lot of big successful businesses doing that, right? Sure. Uh, like Empire Flippers is, is a great example of that, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, they are also very much in our space and they, you know, they, they have a very sort of prominent everywhere guy that's just in that mm-hmm. everywhere. And, and Joe is kind of the, the CEO in the background, but that, that sort of uh, split works really well. But again, it is, it is very, very important to, to work well um, and, and be very clear upfront in the communication, right? Exactly. Okay. So, I, I guess really what I'd love to, to get for, for the audience here is some, some amazing tips and tricks. So it, it could be some small things that you have learned, some small techniques or things like that, that you perhaps want to share with the audience. Sure. So um, I think a lot of, um, uh, 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 I'm sure that a lot of the things that I'm going to mention are um, a very aligned with uh, with your strategy, and B probably something that they already have from following you and following you know y- your teachings. Um, my, um, I think that the most valuable things that I can pass on are first of all, don't be afraid to hire. Um, when when we you know when we first started, we were petrified of hiring people because of you know how difficult it can be because you know, you, you are going to make bad hires in the sense of, you know, you are going to find people that you only find out uh, that they're not a match for your team after you've hired them, uh, so on and so forth. So we, we were petrified of it. Um, but, you know, what, what I've learned over the last X years of doing this business and the, the businesses before that is the gain from eventually finding that hero technical person, that hero salesperson, that hero team leader, whatever it might be, is worth the three other hires that you couldn't get onto the same page with. Um, It is worth the trials that you go through, the, 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 uh, the interviews, the, you know, the recruitment costs, et cetera. And the second thing that relates directly to this 
is that I think a lot of the time we get stuck in the, the quagmire of looking at um, essentially paperwork to, um, you know, to judge people's qualification um, to be able to work for us. Uh, so, you know, we just look at a CV and we're like, well, there's no way that this person's going to be a good match because X, Y, Z. And what, we, what we've learned um, the, the very painful way is that what, what is best actually is to um, try to find out what the core competencies are that might identify someone as aligning with your team, your company structure, your methodology. And so a really good example of that is actually something that I believe Matt Diggity has been sharing for a long, long time that um, works really well, which is, for example, in our industry, in the SEO industry, one of the things that we look for is if a potential hire is a computer gamer. Because but just by knowing if they're a proper computer gamer, we identify if they enjoy gamified processes, which is exactly what SEO is. If they like achievements, which is what SEO is very much based on, we can see if you know if they they like to play team-based games, which you know uh, uh, shows you if they are a team player and if they know that you know you need multiple team members to actually achieve a goal together, etc. And um, last but not least, and this is very important for us, is that they are computer literate. And so this is one small, tiny question that can instantly help you in the uh, pre-qualification process. And so just by finding out that one thing that you can ask people that um, uh, sort of identifies how much they align with your business is a huge time saver and cost saver. And, and we actually um, found this out in reverse. So we started reading about these kind of uh, uh, methodologies and then started looking at our team and started finding a lot of correlations uh, between, you know, who did well in the business and what their likes and, uh, and hobbies and activities were and the ones that didn't perform well and what their likes and activities and traits were. And so we were able to basically create almost like a portfolio um, of, um, of like a personality type that works really well with us. And um, so, yeah, I think that's, that's probably the, the second thing. Uh, I'm just trying to think if there's anything else. I mean, the, the only other thing I know that you're really huge on this is to spend time with your, with your teammates, uh, no matter if they're local, if they're remote, um, take the time to, um, you know, have a coffee with them, have a, have a, um, a, a Skype meeting or a zoom meeting or whatever with them. And when you do actually give a crap about how they are and not just what they're doing for you in their day to day, but actually ask them, you know, how, how are they, uh, how, how's their family? What have they been up to, you know, stay in touch. Um, and you'll see the dividends very quickly. Yeah. No, that's, that's super. And, and yeah, to, to your previous point, right? Like, um, I, I've, I've found very big, particularly when you scale up, like if you have two people, it can be hard to look at them and say, oh, my best guy is like have this background so everyone with right. that background will work. But when you start having 20, 30, 40 people, right? When you look at your top 10 or top 20% and you start finding correlations, uh, that's one of the things that I find so powerful, right? Like mm. with, with our outsourcing business, we have hired hundreds of people now. And uh, 
yeah, it, it's, it's, it's hundred percent like one of the best ways to try and break down who can potentially be successful because when you post a job, right? Like if you do it right, you're going to get hundreds of applications mm -hmm. right? and, and really that ability to, you, you don't want to do hundreds of interviews to hire one guy, right? Exactly. Like, Time is precious, right? So the ability to really break down and look at both. We, we, we use two concepts. So we use things that are attractors and we use things that are detractors. Right? Mm -hmm. So what, like we exactly the gaming thing is one we are very hard on. And, and we also really like people who, uh, particularly hiring in the Philippines, right? People who have an amazing English, but who doesn't have a lot of education. Right. But what we have generally found in the Philippines specifically for the people we are looking for is that a lot of these people are really eager to get a chance because mm -hmm. in most companies locally, they will never see an opportunity because everyone else running around with college and university degrees. Sure. And so that's examples of things that you can say, we're really looking for this. Right. Um, and, and in the negative ones, we, we really enjoy as well. Like, looking at who doesn't work out. So when we actually make mistakes, when we hire people who fail, what can you look at and what can you get out of that that sort of see, well, why would that be the case, right? And, and I think that's one of the most powerful lessons, both for particularly if you have a HR department, right? That's some of the stuff you really want them to do. Mm -hmm. um, but also as a business owner, or as a business manager, that's, that's really important. For sure. So that's cool. Um, now the next one is really what are you working on changing or improving right now? Um, so I, I want to show people like, because people always look at me and they're like, oh, well, your life must be great. Everything's perfect. You do it all correct. And I'm like, uh, no. <laughs> so I'm, I'm wanting to figure out what, what some of the things you sort of struggle with right now or trying to improve and so on. Sure. So I, I, I tend to go through cycles. Um, essentially, I, I think I've identified that it's pretty much a six month cycle of um, at the beginning of the six month, I'll be pretty free with my availability and with having delegated most of the tasks that are taking up a lot of my time and having found the team members that best perform at those tasks that um, that were keeping me busy. Now, about six months after that point, which is sort of you know the the the, the best possible point on, on at point A, point B. Six months later, I am absolutely bogged down because I've taken on all of these new responsibilities that I've somehow magically found um, just by you know being free, um, and. Uh, all of a sudden, I'm really busy again. So what I'm trying to um, improve upon at the moment is actually finding a, a more balanced flow of delegating those tasks so that I delegate them not when I have already become too busy to take on new things, but rather than uh, rather when I've identified that there's a need for somebody to be focused on this task so much much earlier in the life cycle of that task the the other thing that i'm trying to do at the moment is um because we still have such a small team here is i'm trying to uh, move more into 
the, uh, the, the world of a company that actually has a dedicated HR person. And I might, um, you know, I might contract that out um, because as we're starting to scale quicker and quicker, we're noticing that our management team is spending a lot of time on the recruitment process before it ever comes to an interview. And, and that is really inefficient. You know, I mean, this is, you know, putting out job listings, uh, going through CVs and shortlisting them and, um, and all of that sort of stuff. So yeah, for me, basically what I'm trying to do um, is buy back time. Um, because it is one of the most finite things I operate within. And um, by adding extra resources and bettering my processes, I'm buying back time so I can do other top level things. Yeah. Well, that's, that's amazing, right? So uh, again, the ability to even identify that about yourself is, is key, right? Because the, the simple solution is obvious. You just put in a three-month calendar reminder, right? Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, but that's that's really key, and and yeah, I I totally agree, right? Like a lot of people, and that that's why our our outsourcing business is so successful, right? Because a lot of people realize, wait a minute, I don't want to spend time interviewing hundreds of people to try and find mm-hmm. a way, right? And right. and I think I think generally like HR is often one of the most overlooked things because it often comes in bulk. Right, mm-hmm. suddenly you need to hire three people, and you then spend a ton of time, and it's hard to actually calculate or look at the time. But when you're sitting like trying to figure out like a hundred CVs in your mailbox, and mm-hmm. you know that like I've been there, right? And it, nothing worse. Exactly, that, that makes a ton of sense. Okay, so the last question I have for you today is really: What are you trying to do? to get your managers to be better managers. So obviously you, you, you've gotten to where you are now because you managed to improve yourself, but what specifically are you doing to try and help your managers uh, grow and improve? So the, the first thing, um, and I think this is, it seems so obvious, but is really, really important. The first thing is that we actually Um, try to provide as much training and feedback for um, individuals that are moving from um, just a standard employee role into a management role. And um, I think this might have actually been part of the the, the talk that I gave uh, almost two years ago now. Um, One of the, the biggest problems in a lot of businesses seems to be that an employee joins the company, they... Uh, have task A be their task. They start doing really well at it and task A is now getting so busy that it requires multiple people to carry it out. So the, 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 the top level management says, well, hey, this guy is really good at it. What we're going to do is we're just going to make him the team leader, make him the manager, and he'll just show everybody else what to do. The problem though is that what tends to happen is that the, the productivity and everything starts going down because no one ever taught this person how to manage a team of people, how to review their progress, how to lead them, uh, so on and so forth. And so one of the, the, the biggest things that we try to do is we try to, first of all, identify the people that are actually going to um, be good managers, that actually are going to thrive in a management role. And then we try to um, um, groom them for that from 
the moment that we make that realization up until the moment where they actually have people that they're leading. And at that point, we then have to work with them to teach them to be, uh, you know, in a management or in a team leader role. Yeah, yeah that, that makes a ton of sense. And I'd, I, I think from a high level perspective, right? So many people do exactly what you do. I mean, I, I personally worked in large companies like Xerox and IBM and, and exactly the same thing, right? Oh, you're very good. You're now promoted. And you just see people like, like the movement from you're, you're performing really well to now you have to make other people perform really well is, is right. And I've, I've seen it particularly in sales teams. Like you would find the best sales guys, but so often they really struggle to teach their team how to do sales better or like manage them to, to motivate them. Right. Because exactly. often what, what necessarily moves them doesn't necessarily move everyone else. Right. And learning that management is so critical. And uh, I love your method. I mean, that's, that's how we normally work as well. Right. Like as, as soon as we talk with people that show interest or as soon as we identify people who have some interest in management, like our, our goal is to start grooming them and, and giving them the responsibility. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, what, one of the ways we really love doing it, and this, this does not actually only apply to people like that, but when people have done a role for a certain amount of time, we love actually getting them to hand it over to someone else, <laughs> right? Not just because, like, again, from my point of view, if someone has done the same job for two years, like at some point you're going to get really bored, right? Uh, unless it's something like content writing that you absolutely love, right? Sure. But, but for most people, they would get really bored. And, and actually, by just by teaching them how to hand over something to someone else so that they can get some new and exciting, uh, that, that's a great way of actually seeing people's management potential and, and really seeing like what they can contribute, right? So For sure. And, uh, and I think that the thing that's really um, uh, amazing about that, Matt, is the fact that, too, a lot of business owners, especially in this space, get super stuck in the quagmire of trying to create their own SOPs and training materials and um, get really bogged down because it's such a large task. And I think that what you, know, what you just said, trying to get somebody to hand something over, is one of the best ways to identify um, if they A, really get the process, and B, seeing if um, if they uh, uh, if if they can if they can be in a management role, but but also, and this is really important, you can actually get them to create all of your training materials and SOPs because you just get the person that's already carrying out the task to do it, and they might even be able to tell you at that point that there's a better way to do it than the one that you know because they're doing it every day. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely. That's uh, yeah. It's one of the biggest time savers, right? Because when you when you see a, a CEO with a, with a team of forty people sitting trying to create all their SOPs, and you're like, right. "Good luck, have fun, <laughs> right?" <laughs> so, yeah. No, that's great, Jonathan. I, I think that's a lot of useful information for for our audience here, and uh, I am super super pleased that I could bring you on today. So thanks a lot for your time. Lastly, just before we close off, sure. if people want to get in touch with you, if they want to hear more about the amazing SEO services you guys provide, what are the best places to contact you? Sure. So the, the, the best way to find us is uh, via seobutler.com. 
Um, and uh, if, if somebody wanted to get in touch, the best way is to always initially just contact via the site and the team will um, funnel all messages directly to me um, that, you know, that are for me. But um, yeah, I, I encourage people to reach out even if they want to just have a, a brief chat and, and you know, get some feedback or something or whatever, wherever I can help, I'm always happy to help. Um, and um, yeah, thanks a lot for having me as well. I really appreciate it. It's been um, really fun talking. Excellent. Thank you very much, Jonathan. Thank you for listening to the Mad Singers Management Podcast. Please leave a review. It means the world to us. You can also learn more about management at madsingers.com.